You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Today, what I'd like to do in my mini-pod is to look at Josh Jones, but kind of expand out to the rest of the roster. And I don't want to necessarily say players that might also request a trade, because, as I said yesterday, that's a pretty rare thing, and hopefully this doesn't become a trend. There's a lot of different ways I can name this. You could call it overshadowed players, players we could miss out on because of, you know, depth, players that could be traded, whatever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, hopefully it'll come into focus as we begin going through the roster. Now, this isn't necessarily what I would call breakout candidates, although maybe. Because you don't necessarily have to be a good football player, see Josh Jones, to realize that if I don't get off this team, I'm never getting that second contract and I'm in a lot of trouble. And and if I may, for a moment, I don't blame Josh Jones necessarily for this. Um, Every single player wants and needs to get to that second contract. I don't know if Green Bay is the place. Now, I don't know all the details necessarily, but um, and I'm not giving him a pass. It's entirely his fault. The Packers are always rooting for their second-round picks. If he could just play better, he'd be getting a lot more playing time. He'd be getting another contract very soon. I don't know if it's scheme fit or whatever it is, but the bottom line is when, he, when we went out and got Amos and Savage, it became clear the Packers and Patton didn't really like the play that they were getting from Josh Jones, and he wasn't going to be a starter. He wasn't going to be anything more than a number three safety. And if he got paid, it wasn't going to be any more than a number three safety salary. Beyond that, um, even if he knew the Packers wouldn't resign him, he didn't want to go into free agency as some kind of a hybrid guy that's only basically playing linebacker. He wants to go to a team that does not have any good safeties, so he can start, whether that's you know going to a team that has more defined roles, free safety, strong safety, so he can come in as a strong safety and prove his worth and actually make some money. I don't know. Again, it's entirely his fault. I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying I can see it, and this is kind of what prompted me to think, I wonder who else kind of falls into this category. So that's sort of where we're off to today. And again, because of the shortness of time, I'm not going to go through all my links and whatnot, but I will say it would be nice if you can go check some of that stuff out. Also... If you wanted to help me out, um, questions and comments during this time would actually be appreciated. I know it seems like that would be obnoxious while I'm on vacation to text or call me. It makes the podcast a lot easier if I have questions because the material kind of writes itself. So if you haven't done that yet, now would be a great time, and the phone number is in the description. So anyways, I'm going to take a little break, and uh, we'll just go through the roster and see what we can find. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So if you are familiar with the show, you know exactly what I'm going to do, and that's to start at the top of the roster and work my way down. And again, before I get to this first guy, please remember I'm not advocating that this is necessarily a good football player. I'm just saying from their standpoint, this might be a person that says I need to get off this team, and that is Deshaun Kaiser. Now, in a way, I kind of, I'm sympathizing for a lot of people today. I guess I'm in a weird mood. I kind of feel bad for him. He started off getting drafted by the Browns, which is terrible. Then he got thrust into the starting position way too early, which isn't good. Then he got traded to the Packers, and he had to, as we learned, basically relearn everything. McCarthy and, and Kaiser said basically they're starting from the ground up, reworking his footwork, just trying to restructure everything about him. The idea that he's going to just do that and be awesome is pretty unlikely, especially with a brand new team, brand new players, brand new scheme. Now, guess what? He's got a brand new coach, brand new offensive coordinator, brand new scheme. And still, this is the most familiarity he's had because he's still got the same returning, um, largely offensive line, wide receivers, and running backs. But still a terrible situation. To make matters a little bit worse, not like it would probably matter anyways, but being a second-round draft pick, there is no fifth-year option, meaning he's got four years and out. His last year is 2020. The odds of him ever getting actual, not not just starting reps, but part of the problem is being the backup on this team. Granted, he'd probably be a backup just about anywhere in the NFL right now. There's actually a decent amount of quarterbacks in the NFL at this moment. Not that all of them are elite, but there have been times where there's like five quarterbacks and then, you know, ten decent enough and the rest are just pure, like Kaiser's. You know, back when Kaiser was the starting quarterback around that time. But off the top of my head, I can't really think of a team that would start Kaiser. But the, the part of the problem is he's not even going to be getting the most attention in, say, practice. So the odds of him getting a contract with Green Bay or getting a contract with somebody else because of the things that he's done in Green Bay, not the greatest. And, and like several of these other guys, because of all these reasons, there's still some potential that he's a decent enough quarterback, at least enough to be a backup. So I don't mind hanging on to him. And in all honesty and fairness, I think from Kaiser's perspective, it, it shouldn't be about where can I start because I don't think he's starting anywhere. I mean, even if he went to Miami, I think Fitzpatrick starts over Kaiser. In fact, I know Fitzpatrick starts over Kaiser. You know, Washington was a big hole, but they drafted a guy. The Giants, I mean, Eli and, I mean, that would be a terrible situation because Eli would be over him and the rookie would be over him. It would just be horrible. The Jets, the Bills, they got young guys. So really the best thing for him to do is, and you know, actually Green Bay might be his best option. Considering LaFleur's familiarity with uh, Kai, I mean, not super direct, but indirect with Notre Dame and whatnot. And with LaFleur being a very creative offensive mind, this could be one of his best situations because 
he needs somebody to just get something out of him. And no matter where he goes, it's going to be this, a, a new scheme because McCarthy doesn't have a team. Maybe if McCarthy had gotten hired by the Jets, you could argue that the Jets would be a better situation behind Darnold, but I doubt it because McCarthy wasn't running a very effective modern-day offense. So unless he's going to go to the Chiefs and learn behind Mahomes in Andy Reid's scheme or go learn behind Goff with uh, what's-his-face, um, this might be his best opportunity. But either way, it's just sort of an unfortunate situation for him because it kind of feels like the NFL just passed him by. And even if he does develop into a decent quarterback with the amount of quarterbacks and then 2020, a lot of quarterbacks, 2021, you, you've got at the very least the, the Clemson kid coming out. I mean, there, there's just there's a lot of quarterbacks coming out lately and a lot of them are hitting. I mean, there's always a decent amount of quarterbacks, but usually they're just kind of garbage. All these guys are starting and all of them are playing relatively well. It's very, very unusual, and it's not a good time to be a second-tier, you know, backup kind of quarterback. Not really second-tier, but you know what I mean, with starter being first-tier. So just kind of unfortunate, but again, not trying to rule him out. He's He's got the arm talent. If he can get into this scheme and really embrace it, and again, he's got two years. He's got this year, 2019. He's got 2020 to really work the system, show off in the preseason. Maybe an opportunity will arise for him. But again, he's, he's another guy that's just in a bad spot. Wide receiver is interesting because it's kind of a bad situation for everyone. <laughs> There's just so much competition and everybody's relatively equal. I suppose if I was going to highlight somebody, it would be Geronimo Allison. And I think Geronimo would be a better candidate to be somebody to say, I want to be traded. Not that he would, but as somebody that actually has a market, somebody that could actually go out and start. I think there are several teams where he could go out and be the number two wide receiver today. And I just don't think that's the case in Green Bay. I, I, th- I think he... he he might be the number two, but even if he is, he's going to be rotated out with Marquez and EQ, and, and you know, Jamon is a potential breakout candidate. We'll see what happens with Kumaro and Davis, and we got a bunch of other lower level tier guys, whatever, that are fighting for some scraps. I don't know why an undrafted free agent was signed with the Packers, to be honest. I mean, maybe if that's your only call, but man, did you look at the roster? I guess because they don't have like a, you know, a real serious number two and then you know if you got enough confidence you feel like you can win a roster spot but I don't think that's a good situation for anybody now Geronimo did just get a contract from the Packers but it's a one-year deal again guys like Geronimo even though this is nice to be getting technically a second contract they need that one that sets you up for life the one where you just take this chunk you put it in your you know retirement account you put this chunk into this you put this chunk into this and the rest you just can live off of assuming you're being responsible with your money, even guys that aren't making a ton. You know, you think about a guy like Josh Jones or whatever. If he had gotten, or if he gets a second-year contract, let's just say it's $7 million a year over four years. If he gets even $20 million of that, you can't tell me a responsible person can't live off 20 I can survive. I will never see $20 million in my life. I can live very comfortably with one second contract, and that's all they want. And, and the question for Geronimo is... Am I going to be given an opportunity in Green Bay to show that I can be a legitimate wide receiver, whether it's with the Packers or somebody else, most likely somebody else? Depending on what happens, you know, if, if Geronimo and EQ, or excuse me, if EQ and MVS and that trio kind of fall off, then maybe Geronimo just gets locked up and they're like, well, we can't trust the other guys. You're our number two. Congratulations. Which would be a very sad day for me because I am, <laughs> I like Geronimo, but I'm not the biggest, you know, there's there's kind of where the fans see him, and then I'm a couple steps below that. I like that he's a reliable guy, but I also like Richard Rodgers and his rapport with Aaron, and I also like Richard Rodgers and his reliability on third down. I didn't really think he was a very good tight end, though. 
kind of where I'm at with Geronimo. I like him. I appreciate him. He's come up real big in clutch situations. I don't really think he's a good wide receiver, though. But anyways, I'm not getting into that. The point is, and I think he might maybe be foolish because, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes him. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to him. Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate his skill set. The, the biggest question I have, if I'm Geronimo, are you guys actually going to play me? Like, am I going to be buried down the depth chart? Because that's going to ruin me. And, and, and really, he's, he's got to monitor the situation. I know he got paid, and that's cool. But if he starts to see these young guys taking the field above him, if he becomes the number two, number three, number four, number five down the depth chart at wide receiver, that's the time where I'm starting to look at the situation and saying, look, you, you got you to gotta get rid of me. I can't do this. I'm, I'm trying to get paid here. And to be honest, as a Packer fan, I think that's the best case scenario. If Geronimo is the number two wide receiver in Green Bay, that is not a good thing. That does not inspire a lot of confidence. If you were to tell me that now, in what I think is going to happen with Jamon and EQ and MVS, so Geronimo is also in a little bit of a tough spot. Not, I mean, it, it's similar to Kaiser. It's a good situation because again, Aaron Rodgers likes, and it's one of the best situations you can have in all of football is to be a wide receiver, and Aaron Rodgers likes you because he will go to bat for you, and he, you know, and I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks are this way, but having his trust means he's going to throw to you. If nobody's open, including you, you're probably getting the ball. Actually, that's a lie. He's just going to throw it away. Let's say if you and somebody else are open, you're getting the ball. Running back and tight end, I don't know if anybody really fits into that category. You could maybe say Jamal, but I, I don't think he's going to get anything better anywhere else. I think he's uh, solidified as a number two. Um, you look at the injury history with Aaron Jones and the fact that uh, LaFleur has talked about wanting to be able to rotate backs, which most teams are doing nowadays. He's getting pretty close to an equal, equal share last year. And I think as far as skill level goes, being being the number two on a team, especially a team that's going to start running the ball more, you know, I, I think the Packers value him. I mean, it's not like it's 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 not like uh, you know being a number two quarterback. Being a number two running back means you're going to see the ball and see it kind of a lot. And um, you know, again, because the Packers value him, you know, if if it was time to offer up contracts right now, I think Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both get contracts. Maybe not because you know running backs are kind of a dime a dozen, and depending on the cost, they may just say, "Now nah, we'll just draft a guy." Aaron Jones is probably the only one on the team that I would say is not easily replaceable. But again, it, it comes down to, is there a better situation somewhere else? And I don't think the answer to that question is yes. I don't think he goes anywhere else and has more success. Tight end is, is kind of the same, but in a different way in which I don't really see anyone. It's not a super great situation for anybody, but I don't know that anybody has a better situation. You know, you look at Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. I mean, they're, they're just kind of rounding out their career. They just want to get paid as long as they can before they retire. I don't know that anyone's necessarily pushing them out. And if Jace does get more time, I don't even know if Jimmy Graham cares all that much. Because it's winding down, right? I'm, I'm going to get paid. If you want to pay me to sit on the bench, I don't care. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not his mentality. He thinks he's got a lot left in the tank. He wants another contract. You know, okay, maybe he has got a better situation somewhere else. But I don't know if Jace is really going to push him that hard, especially at the beginning of the season. I expect Jimmy Graham to be the, the guy right out of the gate, as much as none of us necessarily want that. The Packers kept him because they think they have more in the tank. And if, if they believe that they can get more out of him than they got last year, again, all I'm asking is for him to be the same guy as he was with the Seattle Seahawks, which is basically... Not a very good receiver anymore, but still really good in the red zone. If we can get the double-digit touchdown Jimmy Graham back, um, I'm good with that. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, you know, I, he wasn't a great blocker last year. He didn't hardly get used last year. But if we can get old Mercedes Lewis back, who's going to push him for his job? Jace isn't a blocker. 
Jimmy's not a blocker. The only guy you can maybe say this about is Robert Tanya, but he's still not in a bad situation. I think Aaron Rodgers likes him. We did draft Jay Sternberger, but Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are going out the door, which means Robert Tanyan is going to be the number two guy on the Green Bay Packers. It's not terrible. I mean, it's not like he's a first-round draft pick or anything for him to be given the opportunity. And again, this is a Geronimo Allison situation where you run the risk if you want to get all high and mighty, saying, I was expecting to be number one after Jimmy Graham left, and you go somewhere else like the Jets, and you don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing to you anymore, your career goes in the tank. So I think everybody's in a decent situation here. Offensive line, the only thing I can really think would be a, you know, a guy maybe like Justin McCray. You could maybe say Lane Taylor, but I think he still expects to be a starter. Uh, Lane Taylor would actually make sense if he gets pushed out only because he's kind of at that point in his career where you could see him saying, nah, I'm not playing backup anymore. But I don't know if it's a huge deal. I mean, he's, I don't know. I don't know what the best move for him is. He, I don't think he's good enough to be, you know, throwing his weight around. He's signed through 2020. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's the worst gig in the world for him to essentially be a backup because then the Packers probably aren't going to pay him after 2020. But he's he's decent enough, you know, to be a starting quarterback or a starting uh, left guard protecting Aaron Rodgers for all these years. Somebody's going to pay him. He'll be 30 years old, but that's not that uncommon for, for offensive linemen. You know, you know, I'm, I'm talking about teams that are in real dire straits. I don't know what the situation for the Vikings and Texans is going to be in two years, but there's always going to be a team that's struggling to uh, find guards to protect their quarterbacks. Yeah, I think he'll just ride it out. And McCray, you know, I just don't think there's a market for him. I mean, I, I know he, he can't go ask for a trade because the Packers will just laugh in his face and say, who in the world do you think is going to trade for you? The best they could do is cut him. But I think that's a bad situation for McCray anyways. He, he needs to, he, he's low enough on the totem pole. See, with, with Josh Jones, we're talking about a second-round pick, and he knows he's going to land on his feet somewhere. McCray's a guy that gets lippy, says, I want to be cut. The Packers go, oh, okay, fine. They cut him with very little hesitation, and he's out of the league. So not a huge amount here, with the exception, again, of Lane Taylor. I think he's good enough that he could start somewhere, right? He could, you know, start with the Texans today. Several, you know, he could start with the Chargers we talked about yesterday, start with the Vikings. But I don't think he's necessarily good enough. Um, You know, we heard, I was going to talk about it a little more, but uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and said he really, really likes Billy Turner. That's a good thing. Right, that's. I, I know people just say stuff, but that that's kind of a bold statement, right? He, he's he's talking about a guy that's going to be replacing probably Justin McCray, possibly Lane Taylor, maybe even Pelaga. Right, these are intense competitions, and to have your quarterback that you've been protecting for all these years come out and endorse this brand new guy who's coming out and is going to be taking your job, that's. That's a bold statement. So I'm not going to dismiss it as a nothing comment because I don't think Aaron Rodgers says these things lightly. He understands the implications. Now, granted, we haven't really seen a lot of full contact type stuff, so it's less about his play and more about his his demeanor and his attitude. Uh, He's definitely got a lot of confidence. I remember his interview, I think, with... uh, I forget his name. I can never remember his name. But anyways, I, I do expect Lane Taylor to not be playing because, again, Billy Turner is going to be starting... Elton Jenkins, I have to assume, is going to be starting. Otherwise, that's a really bad situation. And unless Billy Turner is taking the job at right tackle or Elton Jenkins is taking Corey Lindsley's job, which would free up quite a bit of money. I mean, it's dumb. Corey Lindsley's a good center, and he's only 27 years old. But we're talking about saving over $6 million this year, and then he's on the hook for $10.5 million in 2020. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. But more than likely, Corey Lindsley's sticking around. Elton Jenkins is going to be in, I don't know, right guard, Billy Turner's left guard, vice versa. 
and that's your starting offensive line, which again leaves Lane Taylor as the odd man out. Now, if he's willing to play ball, that's awesome, because I have said I really, really like Lane Taylor as a backup. I love having a person like that who's capable of coming in and playing at a starter level. Not, you know, I, I, I didn't care for him because he came in and replaced Sitton, and that's sort of the standard I'm going from. You know, there's Sitton and Lang, and then there's way down the totem pole you have a guy like Lane Taylor. But as a backup to come in in a pinch, that's awesome. I miss having a great offensive line and having Lane Taylor and J.C. Treader and guys like that backing up our offensive line because we had backups that could go start on other teams. It was a great situation to have. And we could have that again this year, especially with Cole Madison coming in and whatnot, who could be quality depth. We'll see what he can end up becoming. Hopefully he can be a starter uh, starter at guard in the near future so that Billy Turner can maybe play right tackle. Then you've got Cole Madison. Then you've got Elton Jenkins. We've got the offensive line there. Anyways, corners, I don't really see anything. We've got our trio of young guys with King and Jackson and Jair. Um, you could call Tremont the odd man out, but not really because actually, here's, here's something. I don't think there's any question the Packers are intending at some point for Jair and Kevin King and Josh Jackson to be the future. However, Kevin King is in a pretty tough spot. Right now, as it stands, I believe Tremont has gone right back to being basically the number two corner behind Jair. Actually, I think he was number one before. Jair is probably number one now. But my understanding is that Tremont is is right back into that starter, and that's where he belongs, in my opinion. I think he's better than Josh Jackson. I think he's better than Kevin King. I know nobody agrees with that. The ongoing mantra in Packers, you know, Twitter and fandom land is that Kevin King, when healthy, is a great cornerback. I don't know if I believe that. I think he's shown flashes of being great. I think he's shown flashes of being trash. I think the one thing that I've always said about him is that if you're trying to run a, a you know a, a nine route, a, a jump ball in the in the end zone, anything anything that involves straight line speed and and you know throwing the ball up over somebody's head, Kevin King has allowed zero of those balls. What I've also said is that anything that involves you know movement, <laughs> you know, like to the side a little bit, in out post corner whatever, Kevin King struggles with that. His mobility isn't very good. I think you can run slant routes on Kevin King and, and catch 9 out of 10. He's got some great advanced stats um, as far as PFF. They track certain things. Um, stats are kind of tricky. you got to understand what exactly is being said. But there's no question he dominates in certain statistical categories. As far as pro football focus grades, which is essentially grading you know, the film, how does he actually look, he's been terrible. And that has nothing to do with his injuries. His injuries are when he's not playing. When he is playing and when he's not injured, he still doesn't look very good. Now, this isn't every time. He's got good games, and I think that a lot of times sticks out in certain fans' memories. Right? There's those, those, there's those games in which he's a phenomenal cornerback, and fans sort of remember that, and they say, see, this is what happens when he's healthy. And they kind of block out the games where he's healthy and plays like garbage. It's actually kind of similar to Jair in a way, where fans definitely remember how elite he was at times like that game against the Rams where he was as far as I'm concerned the best cornerback in the NFL that week but conveniently kind of forget that he kind of tailed off toward the end of the season he wasn't quite as good right he started off the season hot played real real good against the Rams but as the weeks went on yeah but anyways Kevin King now is in a spot where Jair is the clear number one um, his spot as the number two is being taken by a what is he 38 year old cornerback and he's coming up on a contract, and he's got a lot of injury issues. And he's also got to compete with Josh Jackson. 
He's not going to be given opportunities in the slot, which is where he could probably thrive, because Jair is sticking outside most of the time. Tremont's going to be outside. If he could play in the slot, he'd have a real opportunity, but he can't. You have to be agile to move into the slot. He's not. So I definitely think, and I have no expectation of him asking for a trade or anything like that, but I definitely think this is a case where Kevin King goes somewhere else and he's the starter. I mean, Kevin King could probably go to another team and be the number one cornerback. But despite Green Bay not having necessarily elite cornerbacks, he's still number three. And if Josh Jackson can take a step, he's number four. And I would love to see Kevin King live up to the expectation and, and just show me what fans are seeing. Just play up to the level that fans already think he's playing, and he's going to be great. You know, he, he had, you know, surgery again on his shoulder. He's also been bulking up, he said, up in his upper body to try to help prevent injury. And I do know at times he plays really well, and I'd love to see it. But, you know, again, the problem that he has is that he's in a situation where he's not able to show it as much as he'd like to. So, again, it's either about I want the Packers to pay me, or if not, give me the opportunity to show what I can do so that somebody else will pay me. And he's in a tough spot to be able to do that. And if he gets hurt again, he's just, he's done. Not saying nobody will ever pay him again, but his opportunity to get that big contract is over. Safety, obviously, the guy was Josh Jones. He's already out. Linebacker, I don't think there's anybody. You know, Blake is the guy that needs to try to earn his stay, but he's obviously number one, and it's not even close. Oren is going to be given a great opportunity. Uh, I think the Packers have put all their confidence into him. They did draft Ty Summers at seven, but I think he's overhyped. Not over. I mean, I, I just say overhyped because people are excited about a seventh-round pick. I think Ty is going to be trying to get on the roster as a special teamer. That's his first job. The fact that fans are already putting him on the starting roster and a great, you know, he's going to be great blitz in the quarterback, he's going to get sacks, and we can put him outside, and he's got to... Like, dude, he's got to make make it on the 53 first. That's his first major hurdle. If he can do that, he's got to beat Oren Burks. Now, granted, if Oren continues to play the way that he played, is it impossible Ty Summers takes that spot and ends up being our starting um, uh, linebacker spot? No, it's not, but that doesn't really necessarily bode well for Ty Summers as much as it is horrible for our linebacking group. So I think everybody's kind of where they want to be. Interior's tough just because, you know, again, there's a lot of competition. You could say Mike Daniels, but he's going to start. And if the Packers don't pay him, somebody else will. Kenny's about to get a massive contract. Um, You could maybe say Dean, but I think he's going to be, you know, if you look at OTAs as of right now, he's the starting defensive lineman. Is he maybe going to get overtaken, overshadowed? I would hope so. Nothing against Dean. I like Dean. I like Dean a lot when it was just Mike Daniels. Because Dean Lowry was like the number two, and I was like, oh, he's not bad. But now that we have Kenny Clark, and we drafted Montrevious Adams, and we got Zadarius coming in inside once in a while, maybe Rashawn's coming inside once in a while, you know, I don't know. If Dean's playing a lot, I don't know that I like that. Uh, Montrevious, you could maybe say, is in a tough spot. Again, I, I think he did take a little bit of a step. This is This is his opportunity to take a big step, and he's got a lot of people in his way. So if I had to pick somebody that's not in a great situation, it's probably Montrevious. But being that it's the defensive line, there's going to be a rotation. He's going to have opportunities. And if he just makes the most of those opportunities, I mean, that's what Kenny Clark did. When Kenny Clark got drafted, he didn't start very much. He wasn't even very good, I don't think, at the very beginning. But as the season went on, he got better. And as he got better, he got more reps. And and again, by the time we got into the playoffs, he was number two next to Kenny Clark. And by the time the next season started up, he was above he was above uh, Mike Daniels. I mean, it was, it was a competition for a while where we basically had like two elite defensive tackles, but as time went on, Kenny Clark overtook Mike Daniels. Kenny Clark continues to ascend. So um, 
I don't super feel bad for Mike uh, Montravius because he's going to get his opportunities. He just needs to maximize them. And then lastly, off the edge, the only guy that comes to mind is Kyler Fackrell. I'm not going to say Reggie Gilbert because he just he had opportunities and he didn't maximize them, and I don't think he really goes anywhere else and does anything. He's just a preseason guy as far as I can tell. But Fackrell's a guy that comes off a career year, probably never going to play that good again, and the Packers just stack up and add three new guys. In the midst of getting rid of two and Kyler Fackrell looks like he's going to be top dog, he just gets buried behind Preston, Zadarius, and Rashawn Gary. And already, at the start of OTAs, he's been replaced. The guy that's been with this team for a long time, he's been with Mike Pettin last year. He was the top pass rusher for the Green Bay Packers. At the very first opportunity, brand spanking new guys come and take his job like he's nothing. So that's kind of a garbage situation for him. Is he going to ask to go somewhere else? I would doubt it. I could, well, for obvious reasons. But if the opportunity arose, I, would he do it? I would still doubt it. Because, again, I, I think he knows and everybody else knows that his abilities as a pass rusher um, are less than what they would seem based on the amount of sacks he got. Also, his abilities against the run and against, you know, well, somewhat okay in coverage, I guess. But they're pretty laughable. I mean, even in a season in which he's getting a ton of sacks, we're still laughing at the guy as he's trying to hold an edge and just gets toppled over like he's nothing. So he's got a role in Green Bay. He had success with Green Bay. Um... I think his best move is to just stick it out, be a role player, and just go get after it. If he can replicate what he did, and then, let's be honest, the odds of you doing that again is is minuscule, so the best-case scenario is to just keep everything as the same as possible, same defensive coordinator and whatnot, hope that you can kind of replicate it again, and then, again, it's, it's a situation where if, if the Packers want to pay me, great. If they don't, somebody else will. So, anyways, them's my thoughts. You folks enjoy your whatever day this is. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.